Um, so that's another role that I think we can offer as PTs in any setting, uh, but certainly in the ED and, and the hospital setting is, you know, kind of working collaboratively, say, hey, you know, are you, are you guys know about these, you know, how can I help to, you know, um, is there any like piece of this that you would want, you know, training on that I can do as far as like how to do a head thrust test or something specific, you know, if you feel comfortable with that or, you know, kind of figuring out how to connect people with resources is also something we're really good at because we can be advocates for our fellow colleagues just as well as we can be advocates for our patients. In the ED now podcast that makes you an excellent emergency department physical therapist. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Griffith, the EDDPT. On today's episode, Dr. Helena Esmond and I talk to you about our upcoming presentation at APTACSM in Boston next month. So you'll get a little sneak peek about our presentation on best practices for dizziness care in the emergency department. Don't miss it. All right, welcome back to In the ED Now, a podcast that makes you an excellent emergency department physical therapist. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Griffith, the EDDPT, and I'm so excited to have with me again today, Dr. Helena Esmond. We are gonna be talking to you about our CSM presentation coming up next month in Boston. And we also have another third co-presenter. Her name is Dr. Katie Johnstone Sype. And she's just not able to be with us this morning, but we're still so excited to be presenting with her. And with that, are you excited about this presentation? Uh, yes, I'm always excited to talk about vestibular topics. Anyone who knows me can validate that. So the, the um, topic, the title, the title of our presentation is Spin Doctors, like best practice uh, dizziness care in the emergency department. And the reason that we felt like this was really important to bring to CSM is for a variety of reasons. I think as somebody who practices in the ED, people ask me all the time, like, how do I get better at vertigo? Like, what if I miss something? I'm never sure quite what to do. So what would you say to those people about this presentation? Yes. So this presentation is specifically built with you, that person in mind, for sure. Uh, because uh, even though I've come a long way on vestibular knowledge, I remember so um, acutely, <laughs> no pun intended, for working at uh, Einstein Hospital in North Philly and um, helping out with dizziness in the ED there and feeling lost. Like, yes, the same things you just said, like, what am I seeing? What am I looking for? These symptoms are very vague. They're very general. They, they're not spinning. It must not be BBBV, whatever, right? So I know all that. And so I'm very excited to help um, kind of clarify those kind of common FAQs, if you will, um, and really empower a clinician to, kind of have like what I'll call not a protocol, but definitely a guideline to say, okay, what do I need to be thinking about? What is priority number one? And what is the information that I gather objectively? Because yes, we want to hear the patient's history, but in the case of dizziness, it's not always the best guide, uh, maybe more than some other condition that I would say. Uh, so it's definitely that objective exam kind of picks up as, as importance. And so to kind of build your confidence there um, would be a really uh, high priority for this talk for sure. And I, I think somebody is probably wondering like, why would a physical therapist even need to be in the emergency department for dizziness? Surely people who are coming to the ED for dizziness are coming because they're having a stroke or something else that's really serious. Like why, why PT? Yes, that is a fantastic question. So the reality is that there are plenty of people who come to the ED 
with dizziness from what we'll call the more obvious things. Oh, they run a blood test. Oh, they have like a hemoglobin of six. Huh, that could be why they feel dizzy, right? So it's yeah. not like the ED isn't used to dealing with that. But when it comes to the subset of patients whose dizziness comes from a vestibular issue, whether that's their peripheral inner ear or their brain centers that process vestibular information, that sort of dizziness, uh, unfortunately, most physicians get almost no vestibular education. So we actually can become pretty important uh, leaders in the field because as physical therapists, as a profession, we've really kind of become uh, one of the go-tos uh, for vestibular assessment. And particularly in the sense that if you think about outpatient, what doctors would you see, the closest you can get is probably going to be somewhere between an ENT and a neurologist. But yet both of those, probably barely 5 to 10% are wanting to do vestibular care. Um, and I love ENTs, but they're like sinus specialists. They're doing throat cancer surgery, very important stuff, but not dizziness, vestibular type dizziness stuff. Um, so PTs have really grown in this area. And I think we um, are very practical. We know about kind of looking at balance already. So that's already in our toolbox. Um, so it's really a natural fit for us to be key leaders um, in the ED to help with these patients with dizziness that end up being more of a vestibular origin. I think the other thing to understand for these patients too is that they're incapacitated. Like they can't necessarily wait for an appointment with an ENT or a neurologist. Like I feel like if you wake up and you're a little lightheaded, you like try to move on with your day. If you wake up and you fall to the ground because the room is spinning and you're vomiting, that's alarming. And it's scary. I've had BPPV myself and I was scared even though I knew what it was. So I can't imagine if you have no idea that you would think that that's any kind of normal and nor would it even cross your mind that it might be benign, right? Like mm -hmm. it feels very, very malicious. It feels very scary. So I think that's another reason that people are coming to the ED. They need relief now because it's impacting their what? Their function, which is exactly what PTs do. We help people with their function. So I, I think that's another reason why we need to be there and help people. Um, I would argue also that we're also looking at other sources of dizziness, whether that's like vitals instability with mobility, whether that's um, when we have those older adults that are coming in with like that vague sense of imbalance, but they call it dizziness when they come in. Those mm -hmm. types of things, I think physical therapists are really good at teasing out as well. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I 100% agree. So, you know, when I think about my many years in acute care, one thing that stands out is I learned pretty quickly that patients can have uh, what I use very frequently this term, many layers to their onion. Uh, so a patient might have dizziness uh, in part because they are on a medication. I mean, their dosage wasn't right, something like that. They took too much, whatever happens there. But on top of that, they might also have had a previous history of a fall with an undiagnosed concussion. I mean, <laughs> so we start to look at all the layers at the end in here and it can feel a little overwhelming. But I think if you worked in acute care for a period of time, you start to get less overwhelmed with that. You're like, oh, it's only five lines. I can juggle that like and like, you know, eat a banana. Not that we should do that. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's like kind of the level of skill that, you know, most uh, acute care and EDPTs end up building, you know, um, both physically juggling uh, perhaps and also um, kind of mentally like figuring out what are all the things I need to consider here. Um, so I think dizziness in particular it tends to be something that we would want to think broadly about 
and also and recognize like, okay, well, what do I see in my exam? What makes sense in the history? Kind of A, B, C, putting it together um, and then doing the next right thing, whatever that is for that patient. Yeah. And I think the, the place where I see most PTs that are new to the ED get stuck is with being overcautious because they don't want to miss something. And even if you had like vestibular experience in the outpatient clinic, usually those folks are not like brand new, fresh out of the box acute, right? Like they feel bad, but they don't feel like emergency room bad. So if you have somebody, you go in there, they, they can't open their eyes. They can't sit up. They're vomiting. They're scared. Everything is like super bad. PTs, I think also just from a risk tolerance perspective, are afraid to miss something. So in this presentation, are you going to help people feel better about knowing if they're missing something and like how to figure out what they shouldn't miss? For sure. For sure. So, you know, definitely our top, um, priority is to think about priorities. <laughs> um, so we're going to really think about, you know, yes, what what is our number one that we want to rule out? Stroke that can't be seen on a CT or an MRI because it's too early. And cerebellar strokes, particularly small ones, are notorious for that. Um, so there's just a, a very short, key, um, commonly known HINTS protocol that we would want to try to implement um, to do a couple assessments. And when a patient feels that bad, we're all also pretty good, I think, um, as PTs in general, and definitely in the acute care and ED setting saying, all right, I just need to check these couple things. This is the goal. This is why we're going to do this. You know, what can you do? And, you know, kind of being able to get them to open their eyes or whatever you need them to do to get that assessment so that you can be that, um, you know, key linchpin and saying, oh my gosh, I am like very concerned for stroke care. I'm going to push hard, you know, about that. Or I'm going to say, you know what, this is looking I'll say good because nobody wants to feel terrible with a, a vestibular neuritis, but you know, it's it's better than a stroke. We're just gonna go with that. Um, so we're definitely gonna dig into that. Um, and then with that, you know, if you're also worried about what you wouldn't wanna not miss, um, you're also thinking about, well, what's like the obvious that, you know, may make someone feel terrible, but actually, you know, yes, BPP makes you feel terrible, but it's not as serious as a stroke. And if you can really recognize that someone's fitting those patterns, the patterns are key. And I think as PTs, we tend to be, get to be pretty good, like pattern recognizers. So we're gonna definitely give you guys some key uh, kind of elements of how, you know, you might say, okay, this is really fitting this pattern. And there's always exceptions, but the more experience you get there, you know, we'll be able to talk about a couple exceptions as well. I think that's totally a really useful way to do that because it can be scary. And if you're second guessing yourself, I think emergency physicians are taught they're going to miss something. They know that they, they're going to do their best. They're going to give that best differential. And sometimes they make mistakes. Sometimes they miss things. Sometimes things aren't clear. They're still evolving. But I think as PTs, we just put so much pressure on ourselves, especially in this setting not to miss anything. But what I would say to you about that is it's not just you, you're part of a team. So after you've gone through all of this information and this framework that Helena is going to share at the end of that, you have to think to yourself, who else should I be talking to? Who else should I be yeah. communicating with? What of this is in my scope? What if it's not in my scope? How do I make sure that as a team, we're, we're not missing anything for the patients and that is another good way to make sure you're not making mistakes, you're not missing critical things. And the other thing that I would add that we add in the emergency department that other disciplines don't is the mobility piece. So sometimes when you talked about uh, like a cerebellar stroke, 
I've had patients who look fine and their exam looks good. And then I get them up and they're all over the place. They're scissoring or their balance is really impaired or there's like all of these red flags that really are overcome how they looked when they were stationary, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think that's another important piece that PTs can bring to this. So we have our, our history, we have our exam, and we have our evaluation and assessment, and then we have our team contributions as well, so that we can come out and figure out like what is the best, best outcome for this patient. So one of the things that's kind of come out in the last year are the GRACE 3 guidelines for emergency department best practice in, in the ED. And I think that really is geared towards more, more, more towards physicians, physician assistants, nurse practitioners, people practicing in the ED. What were some highlights from that that you think EDPTs need to be aware of? Yeah, I mean, I think even though it was broad in as far as not specific to discipline, I think there's good pearls for everybody. Uh, we're definitely going to, you know, talk about those because if nothing else, you actually might be the person to kind of gently bring those to your ED if um, your group is not familiar with them or that's not something they've integrated as yet. Um, so that's another role that I think we can offer as PTs in any setting, uh, but certainly in the ED and in the hospital setting is, you know, kind of working collaboratively, say, hey, you know, you guys know about these, you know, how can I help to, you know, um, is there any like piece of this that you would want, you know, training on that I can do as far as like how to do a head thrust test or something specific, you know, if you feel comfortable with that or, you know, kind of figuring out how to connect people with resources is also something we're really good at we can be advocates for our fellow colleagues just as well as we can be advocates for our patients. So um, yes, there's some great nuggets in there about kind of what's essential again, kind of what the key elements are for as far as first ruling out stroke versus neuritis in an acute spontaneous constant dizziness that the patient presents with. And then it goes into like what they call triggerable episodes, which is more like uh, your positional types and things like that. And also considering other competing diagnoses, right? Vestibular migraine, extremely common, um, and sometimes is bad enough in dizziness level that people will show up at the ED, but that's their root cause of dizziness. So we do have to think not everything is stroke or neuritis or BPVV. There are some other <laughs> specific diagnoses that we could put in our bucket. And so they're really nicely kind of just, again, kind of key features, what we would expect to see um, in history and exam. And then you know, what's the right next step for that patient? Who should they be referred to? Because again, when we're advocates for our patients, we're certainly letting them know, hey, I really think you benefit from seeing a vestibular PT. Here's three in our area that are good or, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. So I think we're probably used to doing that in general, hopefully, but with the dizziness mindset, for sure. I think another reason sometimes patients come to the emergency department with dizziness is anxiety. Now, my approach with that is I'm going to rule out every other thing possible before that, because for me, it's there's a medical cause until there's not. And I'm going to make yeah. sure to make it down that kind of whole spiral. But I have had patients even like at the end of all of this exam say, you know what, I think I'm actually just really anxious. I'm like all of that dizziness is like with all this reassurance, like I feel so much better. I, I I don't know. I think maybe I just like was had a panic attack. And, and I think what I would want to know is how do we make sure that like we're supporting those patients as well? Mm -hmm. Like what's, what's kind of the best education there? Like what, 
how do we make sure that we're not discounting something as anxiety? Like, are there any tips and tricks for helping people who are having anxiety that's causing some dizziness symptoms for them? Yeah, a hundred percent. So you bring up a good point. And but one thing I do want to kind of point out from that is um, the reality is the dizziness centers, if you will, in our brain are extremely closely linked to our emotional centers. Mm -hmm. um, and that goes back to like, if you stand at the edge of a cliff, your brain wants you to feel dizzy so that you'll also step away from the cliff so that you don't kill yourself because the brain wants you to survive. It's a survival mode thing. So when people have BBV or vestibular migraine or even had it like weeks or months or a year ago, that can trigger an ongoing dizziness. Um, so the, the classic name currently is persistent postural perceptual dizziness which is not the same as panic attacks, but to be clear, um, you know, that not every exam is going to give you any kind of positive testing, which is good. Again, we're ruling out um, and then we kind of see what's left. And based on what's left, most of those patients would benefit from some, you know, sometimes both, sometimes one or the other. It really depends a little bit more on the patient. But the nice thing is I feel pretty good about sending someone to a vestibular PT if they think that patient also needs or would benefit from um, specific emotional support, a counselor or a psychiatrist, medical management um, that they maybe aren't getting for anxiety, things like that. Most vestibular PTs are pretty comfortable and are aware of that. Um, but it's not wrong to immediately say, I can see there's signs of anxiety. And there's one really cool test actually called the hyperventilation test. I probably wouldn't get time for it in acute care, but just as a side note, um, it is a pretty quick test, but it's just when you're already trying to rule out stroke, it's probably too much. Uh, but they breathe shallowly and deeply. Um, and, you know, in a patient with acoustic neuroma, it's not unusual for them to get uh, nystagmus. But in a patient with anxiety, what they found is if they could kind of replicate the symptoms they've been getting just within that first 20 seconds of like, <sighs> probably a high likelihood there's an anxiety piece. Um, so I totally agree with you. You want to rule out um, the other vestibular stuff because the reality is a person might have BPPV, but they might also have an anxiety and panic attack condition or both. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, I think incapacitating dizziness is uh, absolutely good reason to be anxious. Right. So right. I, I think they're gonna they're gonna happen at the same time often, and even if anxiety is causing somebody to have dizziness, they still need treatment for that. So I think about that too when you said that a lot of vestibular PTs are are okay with that, and I think it's just like low back pain, right? Like sometimes people are afraid to move because they have pain, and our job as physical therapists sometimes we're not gonna be able to fix that pain, but we can help reassure that patient and and help them with graduated approaches to movement. And I think it's the same thing and just providing that reassurance, that safety. I'm thinking of a patient who was um, young and she had had what sounded kind of like a panic attack at work. And she did tell me she had a history of panic attacks and she wasn't sure if that's what it was. It felt particularly bad to her. And we went through our entire exam and then she did kind of, she just relaxed and she said, are you a mom? And I was like, yeah. And she said, cause you're like, you're like good at like taking care of people. You know what I mean? And I just feel so much like more comfortable now. And she said, she looks at me and she goes, do you think it's my anxiety? I said, you know, I really can't be sure, but I think I've ruled out all of the really scary things. And, you know, she said, oh, bet. All right. I think I'm ready to go home. <laughs> so I, okay. And I've had another patient who really, um, she had been having this like horrible, horrible dizziness and it was really making her afraid. 
And I came in to see her. She had gone through the whole stroke protocol because of the symptoms she was presenting with, because of her age demographics, comorbidities. And so by the time I was seeing her, she had already had the MRI. Everything looked good. There was, you know, really no cause for concern about anything really scary. And I walked into the room and I said, oh, how are you feeling? Because she had even been there overnight. So I was hoping some of those symptoms had resolved. She said, oh, everything is terrible. I'm so dizzy. Everything is awful. I said, okay. I just wanted to let you know your MRI is normal and everything looks okay. And she just hopped right up and she goes, oh, thank God I'm cured now. And she just was so afraid. And it was just that anticipation and the fear so I think part of practicing in the ED with dizziness is providing that regular constant reassurance yeah. to patients and not adding to that anxious feeling as well. Right. Now I had a patient in a, in a converse story, seeing me an outpatient, but um, you know, she talked about her visit to the ED and she's like, one of the doctors said it could be, you know, and she named off like three really serious rare conditions. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So she's been kind of festering on those ever since waiting for her neurology appointment, which of course isn't for like another month or two. And so, you know, it's fine. I do my exam and I say, well, look, I know you're still waiting to see the neurologist, but I just want to let you know, you know, my exam looks totally good. Um, I think that this issue, and I talked to her about 3PD, you know, and that she'd had a past history, which sounded exactly like an acute neuritis. So I'm pretty sure that was her trigger, um, which is a common one. I said, this is what my exam is showing. This makes sense to me. I want to let you know that I saw no signs on my exam of any brain issues. Um, you know, and so she felt both validated because it gave her an explanation for why she was feeling dizzy, which she understood and felt okay with, and also equally reassured, right? So she's reassured and validated, right? I didn't say, oh, it's all in your head, which I've had plenty of patients, unfortunately, oh, be told that. that about their dizziness, which is extremely yeah. not helpful. No. Um, <laughs> Um, yes, it is your brain. You have some kind of massive brain tumor. Yes. That's an appropriate time to say, well, it turns out it's all in your head. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, not in a, you're kind of causing your own problem or you just need to relax or those kinds of terms are not useful. Mm -hmm. uh, we can agree. So, you know, I was able to explain kind of how real and common it is for um, either an emotional, like say a death of a family member or more commonly an actual vestibular condition can trigger this kind of relearning in the brain where the brain now constantly says, oh, now our dizziness is a permanent state for us. And it's really, a, they're, they're able to show in, you know, functional brain scans, the areas of the brain that, you know, have had these changes. And I'm like, look, your brain's learning machine. You can unlearn this dizziness. It's totally, you know, something we can do. But then they kind of like are able to see A to B to C. And they're like, okay, like, you know, this validates my experience of kind of when I started feeling dizzy, what I'm feeling now, you're saying it matches up, you know, kind of with this, well, it's the criteria, there's criteria for 3PD, you know, like, so that's, yeah. <laughs> It can be really hard to make sure you know the answer. And in the emergency department, we often don't, right? I'm going to, I am going to, it, my pathway usually with vertigo is scary or not scary. That's, that's step number one. Can I treat this today or not today? Right? Like if it's a BPPV, can I help you right now? Yes, I can. If, if I suspect it's like a chronic vertiginous migraine situation, can I fix that today? No. Can I help you in some other way? Yes. And I will do that. So that's kind of my pathway. Scary, not scary. Treatable, not treatable. Where are you going to go next? And that's the most important piece, I think, mm -hmm. after scary, not scary. 
where are you going to go next? And so making those appropriate referrals, we're going to talk about that in the presentation as well. So you know how, when, and why to refer somebody. We're also going to give you some resources for your patients that don't have the luxury of follow-up. Because that's one of the other worst things about our patients in the ED is that it's a safety net. So I may really want to send this patient to the best vestibular clinic in Denver, but they may not have the resources, time, or ability to access that. So we'll help give you some, prepare you with some resources for those patients. So my next question for you is, this content is listed as intermediate at CSM. But if there's students listening, or there are people who are just starting in the ED, or people who have been in the ED for 20 years, who should be coming to see this presentation? Yes. Uh, so we kind of, we do definitely went back and forth, but you know, the definitions of intermediate means that you have some comfort level with the material in general. So either in being in the ED a bit, so you've maybe at least had some chance to work there a little bit, or you've had some exposure to vestibular content. So some students have already had their vestibular lectures and they've had a lab or two, and maybe they even had a rotation even better. Um, so I think anyone who is working in acute care in general, and certainly if you are working in the ED, that already qualifies you right there. Um, whereas if you were someone who is a student who's had no rotations, you've had no vestibular, you might still get something out of it, frankly, but you might, some of it might feel like, oh, this is, this is kind of a lot to take in. Um, so it kind of depends on maybe your comfort level with that kind of material, but I would say overall, there's a huge group of people that would benefit. As far as vestibular PTs, um, you know, anybody who's working in outpatient, it would not be a bad idea to know what we would like to see happening in the ED. And so if there's an ED in your area, uh, you might be able to, again, be the advocate resource um, to come into an ED and say, hey, you know, how can I help? What's your practices? Here's at least my contact information if they don't already have it. Like, um, those kind of connections can really be invaluable in my experience. Um, if you want to be like kind of the go-to, or maybe you already are, but you know, uh, it, it would be good to kind of hear that. And then if you feel so moved or able to kind of connect with a PT at the hospital that, you know, would be interested in some of this material, um, you know, we would be happy to support that. So I think there's a, a lot of room for a lot of different clinicians uh, to benefit. I love that. And if you're listening and you're like, gosh, CSM sounds great. I'm not going to be able to go to CSM. And I think I need something more than two hours long. We are actually offering a course in April in Colorado Springs, Colorado, April 6th of 2024. And that will be a very practical um Here's how you need to do your history, your exam, your assessment, and then here's how to intervene. So we're going to give you some hands-on work during that course as well. You can find the registration link for that on our website, www.theeddpt.com. If you want to hear more from Dr. Esmond, we have another podcast episode we pre-recorded a few months ago. So you can find that on our podcast list as well. She's a brilliant human who will tell you everything you need to know. And if you're like, gosh, I don't practice in the ED, but I want to be a vestibular specialist, how can people find you? Uh, yes. So my main connection is Vestibular First. So you have a website, vestibularfirst.com. You can follow us on our social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Twitter at Vestibular First for all of those. Um, the good news is our YouTube channel for Vestibular First has a ton of free uh, recorded journal clubs. So this is where we choose a topic. We have an article that we review, but we end up kind of covering some of the basis of the topic as well. So I think a lot of folks find it handy if you're like, oh, I don't really know how to 
treat horizontal canal BBB. Um, there's definitely one on that. And we're going to do another one coming up in February, actually. Um, so those are great resources as well. Um, and feel free to reach out to me directly through our social media or through our contact us on our website. And I'm happy to help. That's awesome. And uh, we actually did a journal club together too on the GRACE three guidelines that we talked about here. So you can find that on our YouTube channel at the EDDPT. Uh, really good discussion about what those updated guidelines look like and how we can implement those in the emergency department. What do you want to leave with pe people with? Like, why should, what's your like one liner about why they should come to this presentation? Uh, I would say if you want to get some nuggets, because for me, most of the time, I'm not taking away 100% of the talk, but I'm taking away nuggets that are immediate, actionable, and they either teach me something totally new or they reinforce what I know in a way that I need to hear. And I think that that are our topic because it covers kind of the basic assessment of a patient with dizziness, kind of being able to do a good job of kind of saying what are the key elements that are really essential and what's kind of like distraction. So lots of patients yes. sometimes in their history, for example, they'll offer things that are trying to be helpful, but have nothing to do uh, with uh, what's going on from a vestibular perspective. So kind of knowing what should I pay attention to? What can I kind of set aside um, and really be able to kind of allow that to guide, you know, a nice tight exam um, so that can we do the right next thing for the patient, whether that's a VVV treatment or it's proper referrals, um, kind of checking in with the docs, let them know we're finding all of that. I love it. So uh, we will see you at APTA CSM in Boston. Our presentation is going to be on Saturday, February 17th at 11 a.m. Spin Doctors, we might even play a little bit of music for you if you're old enough to remember. So <laughs> we will see you there. Thanks so much for being on the show. You're in the ED now and you're officially discharged. Thank you. Thank you for listening. In the ED Now is a podcast hosted and produced by Rebecca Griffith, the ED DPT, as part of Rebecca Griffith Physical Therapy, LLC. Our podcast makes you an excellent emergency department physical therapist. This podcast is intended for educational use only and is not intended as clinical or medical advice. While we make every effort for accuracy, factual errors may be present. Since you've been in the ED, I'm prepared to give you your discharge instructions. Please subscribe, share, and find more at the eddpt.com. You're officially discharged.